Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. Barton, I've missed you. We are back and better than ever. Um, you are a world traveler. We will get to uh, your notes from a scouting trip to Amsterdam in a little bit. I've been bebopping around the country, feeling the the madness of March. Uh, it is. I don't. I don't know what it's like in uh, in the Nashville area, but today really does feel like the first day of spring here in North Carolina. Um, after some some dips back into really cold and rainy weather, it's it's pretty beautiful out right now, and that's uh that's that's pretty fitting because we're about to have a whole bunch of spring games coming up. Yeah, man, I feel like we've been uh, we've been slacking a little bit, but not not for any lack of of busyness on our part, uh, probably because of the busyness. I mean, you've been you've been full speed ahead, dude. You've been uh, I haven't stopped. Yeah, you've been basketballing <laughs> it up hard. You kind of feel like you're cheating on me a little bit with all this all this hoop talk, all this round round bouncing ball talk. Um, I'm not I'm not liking. It. I'm glad to get you back back in the in the saddle here, uh, talking a little football and um, and I guess you got Masters coming up too. You got to you got to jabber about Masters Masters a little bit here soon. Oh yeah, the uh, the I may mix up my podcast always. Check out the First Cut podcast, our uh, CBS Sports Golf podcast. Going, uh, yeah, a couple episodes a week. We're uh, we're rolling there every Monday and Wednesday from now until uh, the end of August. So that's uh, it's it's full mid season swing uh, over there in Golfland. The the greatest like Elite Eight of all time or whatever was was going on basically like while I was sleeping in Amsterdam. <laughs> All weekend, like I, I literally left Wednesday night and got back right as the last game on Sunday was finishing up. Like I literally just was gone just long enough to where I couldn't see any of the basketball. Well, I mean, all right. So we've done the CBS Sports HQ trips. Like you know the way that sort of the rhythm of those trips goes, right? You know, right. you feel like you're just walking around with an earpiece in. Right. So it's like you do. I did. Uh, I did North Carolina, uh, Duke at North Carolina, r- last regular season game. So you go over on Friday. You do the pre stuff. Go over Saturday morning, Saturday night, pre game, post game. Then ACC tournament. A little bit of HQ, but didn't have the field producer with me. But then in Columbia, first and second round, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, full HQ days. Washington D.C. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Full HQ days, and I only say that to say, Barton, I'm thrilled to be back in the Palatial Patterson Studios uh, on the that's horn with grind, you man. talking. Like, yeah, it a, is a lot. That's a lot. Of, I know you're just, you know, everybody's busts our chops, so you're just out there talking sports. But, I mean, that's a grind. That's a lot of talking. <laughs> a lot of talking. <laughs> that's, a lot, that's a lot of standing up straight with like your shoulder your shoulder blades pinched, like waiting to go on air. Yeah. Uh, for like to, to get your sound bite in. That that's a that's a rough haul. So it's uh, I'm I'm very, very glad to be back here doing doing what uh comes the most natural, which is uh chat and ball with you for sure. How was Amsterdam? It was awesome. Um 
so the background of that is there, there's, you know, Virginia signed like two or three guys from Europe last year. Penn State signed a kid from Europe this year. Notre Dame's got a 2020 commit from Germany. Um, the starting left tackle from Cincinnati is some 6'8 behemoth from Germany. Like there's this, there's a little bit of a movement right now um, for Europeans playing college football, uh, like major college football. And I was invited out to cover this camp. It was awesome. There was like 150, 200 kids from like 10 countries. And all these guys sit around and they watch these highlight tapes of the opening and these summer seven on seven events. And like, they just want to be in it. They want to be in the mix. And so, uh, after camp, instead of a bunch of guys whining about their ranking and trying to avoid interviews, literally there was like 30 guys like in a line ready to talk to me to ask them, ask me what they need to work on, wow. what they can do better. Like it was just so refreshing to have all these guys that are just hungry just for a taste of of the college football ecosystem and, and world. And so um, it was a it was a fun trip. It was a short trip. I hope I get to go back again. I hope some of these guys pan out and 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 make it on the next level. But the thing that really hit me was like when you think about it, for all the failures and flaws of like the NCAA governing body, like having football and sports in general tied to academics and tied to your college schooling creates this aspirational element to 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 developing as a player and to um to to sort of what how you proceed in your sort of lifespan as an athlete sure and if you think about it like over there they they play basically club football and so there's this new push and now kids sort of have a, an end goal game and an end goal to go sort of play college football in the States, get a chance to get a scholarship in the States. But before that, it's like you're just playing this hobby. You're playing this club football. So, of course, no, there's not that many good players over there because they're just, they're just participating in this hobby. And, yes, you can play professionally over there, but it's not – it's it's just sort of a again it's just really like an extracurricular deal it's like you know playing rec league basketball over here or something so i i think it's cool that these guys have now this um are, are finding this new way to extend their football career and, and and in turn sort of finding a new way to motivate themselves to really work hard at it so it, it was it was kind of neat to see so you shared a bunch of videos on your twitter account at barton simmons you should be following already especially if you're listening to this podcast um did you have any coaches hitting you up sliding into the dms or giving you any uh i messages as you were over there who who were are, are now going to be looking to tap you as a resource to, to see if there was anything that you saw over there that they should be interested in. Yeah, it was funny. Like I got, I actually got, um, I thought so. I, yeah, I got, let me think, uh, a PAC 12 school, a big 12 school, yeah. a couple big 10 schools, uh, uh, a bunch of group of five schools and ACC schools, uh, FCS school, like, and, and now don't get me wrong. They weren't all like, okay, who should we offer? It was more like, um, 
well, how was the trip? What'd you think? Is that worth us looking into? Right. Kind of stuff. Like everyone's just kind of curious about right. it. Um, no, no, fair, no, one's, no one's looking at a video and coming right back at you and being like, what is that guy's name? Right, right. I think it's more about should we be devoting some of our resources into this, this new frontier? Um, and I think the answer is complicated because there was a kid there, for instance, who was like 6'8", 325 pounds. No, 6'8", I think 285 who looks like he's like the mountain from Game of Thrones, or what do you call him? Like the, not the dead Game of Thrones character's name, and just like looks like he's Magnus Ver Magnuson, like a monster of a man, but he sucks at football. And he's also like 20, 21 years old, I think, but he's also only played football for one year, like one calendar year, he has been exposed to the game, to the sport. And so it's like, one school sees that guy and they're like, uh, thanks, but no thanks. Another school sees him and they're, and they want to, they're ready to get after it, uh, and, 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 and mold him. And so it's a little bit of eye of the beholder, but also I think mainly those guys are lower level FBS, FCS guys, but some schools I think are going to find it's worthwhile to get over there, build relationships, recruit a little bit for when the time comes that that freak pops up you've got the the irons in the fire already to where you will be able to to land that commitment. So it's a little bit of an interesting sort of balance and act to see how schools start to play it and, and whether they deem it worthwhile. I was I, I was guessing that given your relationship, you know, with with coaches throughout across the country, across many different uh conferences and regions, that there was no way that your trip over there was not going to be met with some curiosity from American coaches because I mean, which speaks to the the competition of the recruiting scene, right? Like if anyone yeah. believes that there is an untapped resource, if, if there happens to be a potential, uh, if there is any well worth, worth digging in, then they're going to be, uh, there's going to be plenty of interest in checking it out. Yeah. It's like, if you are, um, trying to think of what a good comparison would be like is is it worth it for a school in uh you know is it worth it for wisconsin to go recruit uh south carolina um no or south south carolina is probably not a good, even a good example but like is it worth it for you to spend some resources to go recruit a little bit of an undermined territory that may not have loads of talent but we'll have a guy every once in a while and maybe you get a kid every five years from there. Yeah. And it might be worth it. Um, and it might be worth it to take a, you know, the, the, the flights over there aren't too bad. Uh, spend a, spend a 48 hours over there, get a bunch done and, and you, you know, wipe your hands and you're clean and, and go on to the next state. But I, I think some schools are starting to find if there's not a lot of competition out there, why not be the school to, to capitalize on it. So we'll see. Would you, uh, any meals stand out for you? <laughs> no, well, it's funny. Like I, I'm a big foodie. and I like to go to the, uh, to, you know, whatever the best spot is wherever I go. And I had researched all these Amsterdam joints that I wanted to hit. And there's no a job. Sorry. No, yeah. No <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just ended up at coffee shops eating pizza. Right, right. Did you know that coffee shops in Amsterdam are literally weed 
bars. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had no idea. Yeah. They're like they like they literally say coffee shop. Right. The outside of the building. And then you go inside and it's like where's the coffee? It's just weed menus. Um so anyways, my host was like it was a coach and then this like 19-year-old prospect that was a a local kid or adult man, I guess. I mean, he's 19 years old. So he kind of knew his way around, but what you what I was eating at 19 is not what I'm eating now at 37. Right. Like I was like, it, it was a little bit like the college, like, uh, dive, dive restaurant scene, which I, which I like actually. Uh, but I didn't get out of that dive college restaurant scene. Um, you know, the whole trip. So I didn't, I didn't, I don't necessarily know that I got the, the wide array of what Amsterdam has to offer on the food scene, but uh, I got some good, some good Surinamese food. I was feeling that. I, uh, I hit them when I was in Amsterdam, I hit one of those markets for lunch where basically you end up buying like seven different things and just sort of calling it a lunch. Um, and I asked it up, boy, I showed my ass at the, he had a great like duck, uh, dish as my entree, but we were, it was one of those places where they had a bunch of fancy cheeses and they were really excited about this like cheese platter, but they really wanted you like it was intended to be something you have at the end of the meal. And my American ass is used to the <laughs> cheese being like kind of a beginning of the meal kind of thing. Right. And we just like, we were like, I mean, can we get it at the beginning of the meal? And they looked down their nose at us for the rest of the meal. Like we oh, were, man. we were, we were, we were just some, some assing it up tourists, uh, for asking for the cheese first. And I'll remember that for a while yeah but they they're they're, they're forgiving in amsterdam for right? sure yeah like, yeah yeah, absolutely it was a great it was a great meal the rest of the way i just I didn't have to know i i i i think every person i spoke to in that city spoke english well that's because dutch is just a straight-up alien language i can rock yeah. with i can rock with romance languages and at least attempting to figure it out like whether it's spanish italian french but man Soon as you start even reading the signs with Dutch on it, you're like, "Boy, I got no chance." No, yeah, 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 no doubt. Um, well, that's awesome. We're and now we're back. Uh, real quick review. Uh, if you are listening to this, there's some spring games coming up. Uh, Duke will be on Friday night, six thirty p.m. You can watch the action on ACC Network Extra. I believe, though, I don't have the details in front of me. That is more controlled scrimmage work, but. Who knows? Maybe they're uh, they're gonna go full contact on Saturday. Whole bunch of them. Uh, the noon Eastern time kickoffs include Boston College, Purdue, and South Carolina. Find them on their respective conference networks: ACC Network, Big Ten Network, and SEC Network. The Wolfpack at NC State. They'll be going at one Eastern time. Uh, LSU and USC at uh, at two Eastern time. And I want to I want to stop there uh, because. USC spring game is going to be on Pac-12 network. What do you think the, and you are a connoisseur of spring games. I know that you're going to watch every single one of them, not live, but throughout, uh, throughout the course of the next, you know, six, seven weeks. Yes. What do you think the vibe is going to be like at that USC spring game? Well, it'll be, um, it will be, I think it'll be optimistic. It'll be, I mean, one problem is it'll be on the Pac-12 network. And so uh, those like, 
I've been disappointed in the spring game coverage of the Pac-12 network. I don't even know if I'll be able to see it. Like, I keep on, I, I, I like, I have a hard time digging up the Pac-12 network spring games. So that's really disappointing. But I, I think that there's, there's always optimism uh, at USC um, the last few years because they have the talent to like have optimism, right? Um, and I think they've had all of their spring practices have been open, like to the public. They kind of owe it. They kind of owe it. That's what, that's what I was thinking. I was like, man, USC is just like they they are bending all the opposite way of the the paranoia. Like, um, you know, you will get you will get this Alabama football product. You will get this Georgia football product on the terms that we dictate. Right. Right. Like you do. That is not the case around the Southern California football program right now. So. This is I'm it's one of the it's, it's one of the spring games I'm most interested in, and the Graham Harrell thing is is fascinating to me because first of all, that's a great hire. Um, you know he's not not Cliff Kingsbury, but he still simplifies that offense and allows them to just start getting the ball in the hands of the playmakers. And they got they do have a lot of playmakers. They do have a quarterback that can do that. So, um, I th- I thought there was a fascinating quote from Graham Harrell from earlier in the spring, where he basically talked about how Tim Drevno, their offensive line coach, like is is like bored that he doesn't have enough to do, like because they're not cr- they're not creating all these like complicated blocking schemes. They're not s- sitting around talking you know schemes and x's and o's they're just he just wants them to simplify things for the offensive line and and work on technique and they're and and the the word through camp is is that you know the offense is 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 looking good and what you would expect and um I, i just think that the the system is is such a proven system that given all their talents, I don't think there's any reason to think that they won't be able to have some, some success. It's almost just like playing, playing basketball out there and finding the open space, finding right. the driving lanes. And, uh, and so to me, USC and offense has been totally inept when, you know, with the exception of just sort of Sam Darnold saving it and masking all the problems. And then Michigan, an offense that has been, sort of hunkered down in three yards, four yards in a cloud of dust, you know, antiquity. It's like these two programs now have a full-on air raid guy in, in Graham Harold, and then Josh Gaddis, who's a more of a spread guy as well, are going to go to the gun and they're going to go to this, this spread offense. And if, though, if, if, they, if these two guys, just like that, like – first swing at it solve the problems of these offenses i mean what a what an unbelievable um uh testimony that is for just the spread offense and not that anybody's like spread offense is such a like a catch-all phrase now sure but it, it kind of it does it does kind of call into question of like why 
if you are struggling offensively and you're trying to run some form of like a pro style smash mouth system, why anymore? Like if you can look at these two teams and they're able to flip it that quickly, why? And so I'm just very curious if if it does happen that quickly and if it does sort of catch fire and and, and catch traction immediately. All right. So it would be it would be proof positive with the only exception being that uh another coach at a different program might look at it and say, well, of course, spread, uh, or, or just, how about this? The idea of using all of the space on the field to create matchup problems, right? Like when right. you say that, like inherently that is the core of it, it is, right. it is a nice advantage when you've got the athletes and the raw talent that Michigan and USC do. Well, yeah, but I would argue though, if if you if those teams have all of the talent that those teams have and have been falling short prior yeah, to they, this and they can't make the other the the alternative offense if 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 we're sort of binary in our in the way we talk about this and say spread or not spread and if those two teams can't make the not spread work uh, with the talent that they have then what makes you think that whoever the alternative that we're talking about is should be able to make it work. And right. so I, to me, it's, it's, it's less about like, can these coaches make it work and more about how quickly, like, because they do, they, they are both dealt pretty good hands. I mean, Michigan, think about what Michigan has coming back. Dude, I was, uh, start with Michigan for sure. Okay. So they've got, I mean, they got a sort of a handful of running backs that are good players and, and, uh, so, so there's not sort of one bell cow there, but at the receiver position, they got Tariq Black, uh, they got Donovan Peoples Jones, they got the kid um, who I'm blanking on his name from Alabama last year, Nico Collins, um, who's th- those three might be their starting three receivers at like all six three plus, uh, and and you know, and then they've got Oliver Martin and just sort of all these these bodies that are really good players in their own right that just haven't gotten a lot of touches yet because they're not only do they have really talented receivers and we've seen flashes from them but they've they've got a a log jam of good receivers that we don't really see utilized that much and then they got Shea Patterson who's finally going to be in the spread sort of running a rhythm offense you know it's just sort of it it appears to be a uh a a a good hand. It feels to me that, that they've been dealt, that Josh Gaddis has been dealt some some good toys to work with. I felt, and then USC is just freaking stacked. Well, yeah, I, I was going to say, I felt anecdotally that uh, JT Daniels was like, uh, ha- had like a nice sort of rhythm established with Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, went here to pull it up. And yes, Amon Ross St. Brown led the team in receptions last year. So like, you've already got that established. I mean, it, Tyler Vaughn's is back, correct? Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman's back? Oh man. Yeah. No, this is this is a USC team that in terms of personnel is very much uh prepared to go locked and loaded, come out and be productive. Yeah. And it's I don't know, this was the offense that they this is the JT Daniels is is sort of built for. Um so yeah, I, I think that this is but and, and on the flip side, if it doesn't work, I don't know where you go if you're USC. So it'll be, it, it's another year of like, 
you know, reason to be optimistic and no excuse not to be good. Even even as bad as they were last year, there's still no excuse for them not to just be dramatically better this year. And that's on Clay Helton. Um, here, so LSU, USC, two Eastern time. Clemson Tigers are going to be on national television. The defending champs will be 2.30 for their spring game. It'll be on ESPN. Uh, Arkansas on ESPNU at 4 o'clock. Florida State also at 4 o'clock. Ole Miss also at 4 o'clock. Arkansas, Florida State, Ole Miss. Combined over-under win total, 15. Arkansas, Ole Miss, Florida State? Yeah. Uh... Well, I will go under. <laughs> That's five wins per team. So let's just say Arkansas gets four. Ole Miss gets three. Okay, That's, and then you're saying eight or nine wins for Florida State. That that allows Florida State the opportunity to get, you know, seven or eight. Hmm. Uh, don't we? We don't have much quarterback competition at Florida State. It's just James Blackman. That's it, right? Uh, you mean you aren't just? Oh, I am writing off Hornibrook. Shivers of excitement with the Alex Hornibrook transfer. Yeah, that, that wasn't that wasn't the the, the game changing difference maker that Florida State was missing at the quarterback position. I mean, I love it for Alex Hornibrook. I think that I think that you know. Getting to Tallahassee, playing back up, um, you know, living that Florida State football life for a little bit. I, th- I think that it could be a really good as long as James Blackman is healthy. I think we've got great quality of life for Alex Hornibrook. So you think he's just he is just sort of cashing in on like the backup quarterback lifestyle because it's not going to happen for him in the NFL, right? So he just wants to live that backup quarterback life. In college, yes, is that is that the mentality here? In the in the same way that it was like, uh, wasn't it Gardner Minshew was going to be a graduate assistant, right? And then all right. of a sudden he's like, oh, oh, I mean, yeah, sure, you want me? <laughs> cool, yeah, let's go. I was really ready to move on to coaching, but uh, yeah, I'll I'll major in whatever and uh, and just you know come come get some sweet Nike swag out of this. It seems it does seem like a kind of an odd decision by Hornibrook. Like he he can start somewhere, but I, and I guess he he's going to compete for the starting job at Florida State, but but there are uh, severe physical limitations which would prevent him from beating out James Blackman for the job. And we all thought that uh, we also all now I think this is a we thought Gardner Minshew sucks, and Gardner Minshew does not suck definitively. Definitively does not, does not correct. Like his his productivity. Touchdown interception ratio was all very underwhelming at East Carolina. And, you know, when he got in that that Mike Leach offense, he was pretty damn good. So, uh, you know, Gardner Minshew was in a little bit more of a favorable situation at Wisconsin. But who's to say if he wasn't at a Arkansas or something like that, he wouldn't sort of turn the corner as well. Arkansas brought in like four grad transfers. They're desperate to find a quarterback. Um, but, but no, I think, I think your, your hypothesis makes some sense. Get down there to Tallahassee, you know, hold a clipboard and enjoy 
Saturday night's post game. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're going to take a look at some freshman quarterbacks that are in the mix to be starters that coming up this fall, checking in on how they've been doing this spring right after this. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Barton, I had a very cool uh, moment earlier today. Um, a group called Leadership Raleigh had me out as a, one of the four media members at a panel. And as we were getting to the question and answer part, um, gentleman raised his hand and he said, first and foremost, love the Cover 3 podcast. So shout out to Drew, who uh, was at the Leadership and leadership Raleigh for having me out. Talked to him for a little bit. Told him, hey, man, I'm actually about... He said, y'all haven't recorded in a while. I said, I know, I know. I've been doing basketball. I'm actually about to go record with Barton now. I'll be sure to shout you out. So shout out to you, Drew. We appreciate you listening. Shout out Chip hopping on the panel circuit. The uh, He's an Alabama fan, and he just doesn't get the kind of talk he's looking for on the local radio. I realize that might yeah. be a niche for us. Are you an so, SEC fan transplanted away from SEC country? We got gotcha. you. Yeah. You know that's a that is a where this was this was where this was in Raleigh. Yeah, this was in downtown Raleigh for lunch earlier today. Is is this is does Raleigh get um is it like what's the Carolina Panthers what's the level of Carolina Panthers talk in Raleigh sports radio? Uh, by routine, more so than it is in Charlotte. In Charlotte, it's crazed where you're talking about the Panthers twelve months out of the year. Right. In Raleigh, it's seasonal and routine where you just get used to talking about it on like, you know, Monday, Thursday, Friday. Like one of my beasts with Nashville sports radio is that they they just give sort of like token college sports discussion. That's not more so than token, but like not a, not enough to scratch the itch because there's so much devoted to Titans and NFL. And so... Yeah, we, we got to give the people that 365 
college ball talk. Yeah. So, uh, so, so shout out to Drew. He said, shout out Drew. He said that he loved the one episode that he mentioned was he was like, man, and y'all just like, you know, talking late after the game. Y'all sound exhausted. I loved it. I was like, what? <laughs> we got to do that more often. We the, may just have to roll, uh, you know, late night, uh, every, you know, early Sunday morning, late Saturday night, post-college football record sessions. We just, yeah, we, we, we started, like, we already pushed it from Monday morning to Sunday. Right. <laughs> now, now, how instant reaction do you want to get? All right. That's right. Uh, back to the business at hand. Uh, freshman quarterbacks that it's so funny because as we look at them, there's always this, this combination when you've got uh, a freshman quarterback coming in where you either, like, if he's good enough to start, that means you have an incredibly talented player, and that's a good thing to have an incredibly talented quarterback. On the other hand, there is that position from an analysis and a fandom standpoint where you kind of wish the depth of the position was better. And so as as we're running through, we got you know three right here. Uh, that's, that's sort of my question right now is, is how much of this is the player is so good and how much of this is we don't have many other options. And so we'll start with the player that we've been talking about here all the way back to, you know, going in on the elite 11 circuit and uh, discussing that here on the podcast, Bo Nix, talking about his name a lot at Auburn. What's the latest on sort of where he stands in that starting job? It appears that it's, it's according to our, our buddies at Auburn undercover at 24 seven sports, it appears that this is a two-man battle um, with Bo Nix and Joey Gatewood. At least it's sort of trending towards that. But I, look, this is—I'm going to go ahead and call it on on this podcast. This is Bo Nix is going to win this job. That's you heard it here first. That is not—I'm not reporting that. I'm not. This is in sources telling me that. This is just—if if we're already at the point where Bo Nix is like sniffing the starting job, getting one reps. I know what Joey Gatewood is as a passer. Apparently Malik Willis is not cutting it as a passer either. Bo Nix will end up getting this job. I'm just, I'm here to tell you. And in the, in the spectrum of is this, you know, good news because Bo Nix is so good or bad news because the rest of the, quarterback room is so bad it's somewhere in the middle I do think Bo Nix is really good I don't think Bo Nix is Trevor Lawrence uh Justin Fields even though the, the you know we haven't seen Justin Fields yet um <clears throat> but I he's not necessarily some freakish no doubt wherever he was going to go he was going to win a starting job type of guy to uh whatever you know there's been a few of those type of guys um, but he is really smart. He's athletic, a lot more athletic than people realize. And he can throw significantly better probably than anybody at Auburn roster. And I got to tell you, I'm as we're sitting here in April and we've seen this story before, and I know there's going to be a little bit of, of doubters because I bet you we'll have a true freshman starting a quarterback for Auburn. But I'm just starting to get a little bit of a – Auburn's going to have a uh, 
there's there's going to be a confidence to this team. I, I just I, I got like an early hunch that this Auburn team is going to be sneaky good, and that's even with the Bo Nix true freshman quarterback deal. Because you know we got Gus Malzahn back, like no one looking over his shoulder as an offensive coordinator. He hired like a you know 31 year old offensive coordinator who's there's no question who's running the show. It's Gus Malzahn. He's got all that defensive front back. The offensive line is apparently playing really well in the spring. The running backs are going to be good. They got to find some receiver playmakers, but feels like they will. And then Bo Nix has just got to, you know, if, as long as he's decent. So early, early preview. We're a long way away from our win totals picks, but. Something about this Auburn spring has kind of got me a little, little bullish. Well, for starters, we're talking about an odd number season, right? That's right. Yeah. This is this is the year after the year. Yeah, you know, you catch them. You you catch it when they get both when both Georgia and Alabama have to come to Jordan Hare Stadium in November. This is a this is a year where they could get it. This is absolutely. A year where they could get... I've loved seeing Gus Malzahn at these Auburn basketball games, too. And you know he loves this Auburn up-tempo basketball team. He does? Like, that is it like, like you're saying you assume that, or is he, like, outspoken about how... Well, I mean, he's going to be outspoken to say he loves it regardless. Right. Because that's his job. I was just saying that no, watching this Auburn basketball team and seeing him at these NCAA tournament games has been pretty cool. Because I was like, ooh... This is this is a group. This is a basketball team that takes to Gus's style right here with the hurry up. Right. Very very yeah, up tempo. I, I think he's going to be a little more in his own element this year. I think there's going to be a comfort level this year. And I think Bo Nix does not uh he, he doesn't limit that. He doesn't he doesn't dampen that. And so, hasn't Bo Nix been locked in with Auburn for a long time? It was dad, it was Patrick Nix who played at Auburn. Well, okay. So he was like, he was like born an Auburn quarterback. You know, he's one of those guys. Oh man. Oh so. man, dude, you you keep preaching that Auburn love because there's going to be fans that are going to be they can easily connect these dots. Yeah, there's yeah. I, I will be. I'm sure. I guess there's win totals out. I haven't seen that. I don't don't even. You don't have to spoil it for me. We'll see what happens in the summer with these picks. But this is just a. This is that year. Now that it, now Gus Malzahn almost gets fired, and now he comes back and he's in the SEC championship game. It's one of those years. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ride with angry Tua. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna money. I'm gonna ride with the uh, the Alabama offense obliterating everything in its path. But we'll see. Uh, yeah. All right, what about Jaden Daniels at Arizona State? Yeah, he threw one interception all spring. So that Arizona State had. Their spring ball was done by like February 28th or something <laughs> yes. absurd. Like, I don't even think that's an exaggeration. I'm no, 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 no. You're right. I, I, like, think... I think it was like it was like mid February. They were done. Uh, so, and Jaden Daniels literally didn't throw an interception until the last like play of spring ball, and so they, you know, they ended on a high note for the defense, like getting Jaden Daniels. But he's a true freshman. And granted, he's competing with a couple of other true freshmen, and then Dylan Sterling Cole, who's a who's the holdover. But uh, he was the most accurate all spring. He was a guy that 
ended up our number two quarterback in the country at 24-7 sports. He's, he threw for like ungodly numbers last year in high school, 4,000 plus yards, like 40 something touchdowns and like one interception or something just stupid. And he's just a baller. And so I think he's going to be the starting quarterback for Arizona state. I don't, I mean, I'll call that one too. There you go. We're calling two. We're calling the race. CNN, Fox News, we're calling the race. I'm going to call Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels, true freshman starting quarterbacks, game one, book it. Okay, so were y'all high, all right, four-star prospect coming out of high school. Were y'all higher on him than other? Looks like y'all were pretty much in lockstep with the, like the 24-7 sports number 35 player overall. So he's, he's a fringe five-star player. Yeah, we almost made him a five-star. He's skinny. He's really skinny. And he didn't play great competition, but he played good enough competition. But he just obliterated it. And there was a little bit of like, sometimes you overthink these quarterbacks about like, oh, well, they just sort of threw bombs all game. And like, oh, he didn't play in a, you know, he was never under center. Or what, you know, there's these stupid like ways you can pick apart a quarterback that put up silly numbers. But end of the day, Jaden Daniels, junior, junior year and senior year, was just absurdly productive. <laughs> and so... I think ultimately that's that's going to translate to college as well. And so, you know, given how many freshmen they played last year at Arizona State, they played a ton. They got a true freshman starting quarterback this year. They've been recruiting pretty well. Like, I think, I think I'm pretty comfortable wearing my like Herm Edwards pants. You know, like I think this thing's going to this thing's going to fit beyond just sort of one year where they didn't, you know, they were less sucky than people thought they would be. Like, I think this thing's going to fit. I know that we, as a college football media unit, have, um, along with the general news media cycle, done the, like, you know how we, we just move through things too fast, right? Like, we we, uh, we get a narrative or a storyline and we blow it out of proportion and then we have to have the course correction and, and like these these stories live entire cycles in much faster than they ever have stories are not allowed to breathe anymore and because of what was it the it was the Michigan State win early like i felt like we did the early season Herm Edwards is here to take over college football because <laughs> yeah. because yeah. we'd started so down on Herm right. Edwards. Then we right. had to go sky high. Then we went like course correction when Arizona State started losing some of these close games down the stretch in Pac-12 play, which, by the way, probably does make him a good value pick if you're looking for an over-under team to go as the team that lost close and uh, and played a bunch of freshmen. But then we've, we've sort of like had this full – life cycle and now it's uh, you know as we're sitting here discussing Arizona State football in 2019 it, it's almost like I'm forgetting Herm Edwards is only a second year coach like we've we've already run the full gamut with him and now I'm just sort of comfortable with Herm Edwards at Arizona State because it's like oh yeah Herm Edwards he coaches Arizona State it doesn't well, feel you know weird to me you anymore. You know what's funny is that 2018 season was the the hire of Herm Edwards set the expectations so low <laughs> right. and, and unwarranted maybe, but for whatever reason, and maybe it was like the kind of wild press conference where he's like talking about how, because he coached in the Under Armour all American game, you know, he was, that was, he was, he was going to be a good coach or because like he didn't know that the sun devils were the Arizona state mascot seemingly like things just sort of kooky things. 
So we were convinced, all right, this is going to be a total disaster. And so then they go and beat Michigan State, and we're like, whoa, Herm, like the like the year of Herm. Welcome back. This is amazing. Arizona State, back. And then they go through a season where if Todd Graham had finished 7-6, and six, we'd be like, when is Todd Graham getting fired? But Herm Edwards finished 7-6, and six, and so we were like, well, but it was better than the three wins that we thought he was going to have. Right. So it's this odd place where it's like we are pleased with Herm Edwards because our expectations were so low. And so, but it just feels like my, my Herm Edwards sort of uh, opinion here, I guess, is that it just, this just feels like it's going to be, it's going to be steady as she goes. Like, I don't know that they're going to necessarily win the South, but it just looks like they're going to be as good or better than next year. You know, maybe they take a step forward and they're going to keep on being a, a formidable opponent in the Pac-12 South. Hey, man, Las Vegas Bowls and Sun Bowls are good trips. Yeah. I guess they. I feel like Arizona State is going to be locked into that, like, bowl eligible, but probably playing in uh, in one of those, like, Pac-12 number four or Pac-12 number five slots. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. It's been a lot of time in El Paso. Yeah, uh, and so I, I would also say Jane Daniels, uh, player is good, sounds encouraging, but also probably reflective of not much in that room behind Manny Wilkins. That's right. But also, you know, they, they, they took three quarterbacks. Literally, they took three freshman quarterbacks. And I wonder if that's going to be the new MO for college teams now is we know we know these guys are going to transfer. At least quarterbacks, for sure. Yeah, these quarterbacks are going to start transferring at a ridiculous rate. So instead of hamstringing ourselves with one quarterback every cycle, let's just recruit the hell out of the position, get two or three every single year with the understanding that one or two of those guys are going to transfer every single year because they're not winning the starting job. Let's just get these guys in and let them compete and battle, and then they can transfer out when they don't win the job. Uh because I'm sure that Arizona State, after Jaden Daniels wins the starting job in the spring, they're going to have two quarterbacks transfer, you know, mm-hmm. and and then it'll be a good thing they got three, you know. Um, North Carolina has a freshman quarterback. One of its uh, biggest, one of its most celebrated signees of the recruiting class was Sam Howell, a former Florida State commit, in-state guy, uh, did end up signing with Mac Brown and the Tar Heels. What's uh what, what's the latest that you're getting on uh on him? I I haven't made my way over to North Carolina practice yet to uh to go hear Mac Brown's TED talks, but I <laughs> I am I I'm curious to hear sort of where your opinion is at on uh on Howell and the Tar Heels for 19. Well, I'm I'm not ready to call it for So the the interesting thing about this 2019 cycle at quarterback is that we felt like through much of the cycle, it was a relatively down year. You know, there's fine. There's some good quarterbacks, but relatively down year given what we were comparing it to with guys like Tua and Kelly Bryant and Josh Rosen and uh, some of the recent flock of quarterbacks that have been five stars that we've had no doubts about. Um, but this year, despite that, despite that 
profile and 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 sort of characteristic of this class. Bo Nix, I think, will start. Jaden Daniels, I think, will start. And then I bet you, I'm, I've, I've called it for Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels, but I bet you that Sam Howell starts in North Carolina, and I bet you that Graham Mertz starts at Wisconsin. Ooh. And I bet you that Max Dugan at TCU has a chance. Ooh. And I bet you there's a couple more out there that have a chance. So there's going to be some true freshman starting quarterbacks in college football this year. I, I think a relatively big number, in fact. And so – I'm just, you know, Howell is a little more of a projection. I don't know that he's separated himself yet, but North Carolina, that quarterback room is not good. So if, if he doesn't win the job, I'm almost a little disappointed in him, and I'm not sure what to make of him as a prospect anymore. The Chaz Surratt was a quarterback for the last two years, an athletic kid who came in, what was he, like three or four-star player? Yeah. Sage Surratt, his younger brother, uh, a game-breaking wide receiver at Wake Forest. But Chaz is actually switching to linebacker, which uh, certainly speaks to where you know where he where he thinks he could best contribute on the football field. But without him there, the Sam Howell position in terms of you know does this speak to the individual player? Does this speak to the room? That that's got to be as of of the quarterbacks we've discussed here. Sam Howell has to be a room move, right? That yes. Well, I, but I think I think Sam Howell was coming out of this. Like that's why it was such a big get for Mac Brown. Is he is he was starting capable. He was one of the handful of quarterbacks that you could feel confident in saying he can come in and be a and and, and you can recruit him to be a starter. So. Yeah, there's that, but also they needed to recruit a starter because that room is kind of ugly right now. So, um, and before we get out of here, a uh, quick, quick spin around a couple of headlines. Uh, or number one, um, so are you are, are you drawing any high alarm to the marijuana arrests at Georgia? Did you see how those guys got arrested in room four twenty? In room four twenty, they had like an ounce of weed in there. And an RA went in the room for a clogged toilet or something and noticed the weed and called the cops. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm I, I get like a rap for being this pothead because I'm kind of laid back and I, I sort of, I, I have a little bit of like a surfer vibe or something sometimes. I, I'm actually not, but. I, I'm I'm certainly not gonna like dog a couple of college dudes for having some weed in their room and the RA narking on them. Like, what a like that's ridiculous. Like, if I'm Kirby Smart, I, it sucks because I gotta go out here to then meet the media and be like, well, yeah, I'm disappointed in my team, man. I gotta, you know, we gotta be better than that. When in reality, what I'm thinking is, who the hell cares? I mean, right? well, <laughs> I just I laugh at the simplicity of the college mind where I wonder if it really was. Um, all right. Well, where are we going to keep the weed? And who? And someone's like, well, I mean, I do live in room 420. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I would be uh, I would be 
like probably bending the other way. But again, the college mind is so simple that it just giggles at the connection rather than believing you're really setting, you're really setting some strange fortune. You're running here. You're being very, very brazen um, with marijuana in room 420, especially in the state of Georgia. Well, I mean, what do you like? It's not like the, them moving into room 420 initiated their, appreciation for marijuana no right? no but Someone's a decision a decision had to announce uh, a decision had to be made of where the stash was going to be kept right like you couldn't keep that in 315 you couldn't keep the bag of weed in room 521 <laughs> but the guys live in it don't they want to keep like what wait was this this is not a lot of weed right I, is this is this some like is this some like distribution amount of weed that I'm missing? I thought no this was no 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 no. I think I think that this is communal. I would say that I would say that anything with college students uh, and illicit drug use is almost always communal. There there is it is. Uh, I would guess allegedly. Let me sprinkle all my allegedly's out here. I would guess that allegedly there are, there are uh, multiple. The, all all of these are group investments. They're hedge funds, basically. I, I gotta I gotta tell you, man. Th- this it is hard being a SEC college athlete because you can't make mistakes quietly, right? Like, yeah. I, I went to college and I played football in the Ivy League, and no one cared if an Ivy League kid got arrested. Right. Like. That wasn't on the front page of the newspaper. That wasn't on all the message boards around the country. And I did some stupid stuff. And we all did. And it didn't matter because I got over it and went on to the next day. And these guys will get over it too. It's not the end of the world for them. But it's just it's just a different world. And uh it's it's uh it's it's tough, man. And and now Kirby's got to answer questions about losing the program or whatever. He's got six guys arrested this spring or whatever it is. I'll just go on the record and say I I'm not I'm not worried about the discipline of this team because a couple guys had uh you know a bowl of weed in their dorm room 420. It was an ounce. It was like an ounce. It was like yeah, it was like yeah, I think it was an ounce or okay. something. All right. It was it was one or two ounces. We we've got uh let's let's save camp buzz for next week. We got we got a, we got some we got some spring buzz to break down. Um, spring buzz, and, that, and then we'll have some spring games to, to break down, too. So that's, no that's doubt. exciting. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. This has been invigorating. Good to be back. <laughs>